Today on Reverse the Post-Op Regain, I am discussing all aspects of dumping syndrome. What it is, how can I prevent it, and what causes it in the first place. You'll want to listen to this if you've ever experienced early or late dumping syndrome, and how you can manage it or prevent it in the future. Let's get started. Welcome to Reverse the Post-Op Regain podcast. I'm your host, Saraya Nikwan, a weight loss surgery dietitian, and I am excited that you're here today. This podcast is for anyone struggling with nutrition and weight years after bariatric surgery. You might be feeling confused, overwhelmed, and not quite sure what your body needs after that first year post-op. This is where I can help you. Join me every week where you'll leave supported and motivated to take the next step in your nutrition journey. Thank you for being here with me today. Now let's get started. To really define dumping syndrome, it happens in a lot of conditions, but namely after a gastric sleeve or a gastric bypass. And yes, having a gastric sleeve doesn't automatically mean you won't get dumping syndrome. Dumping syndrome occurs when food, particularly sugar and fats, move too quickly from the stomach or the pouch into the duodenum, which is the first part of the small intestine. Now you can have two different types of dumping syndrome. So you have early dumping, or it's known as early dumping syndrome, which occurs around 10 to 30 minutes after a meal, up to 45 minutes in my experience. And then you have late dumping syndrome, which occurs about two to three hours after a meal. It's important to note that a gastric bypass is at higher risk of this condition, as is the Sipsades procedure or the duodenal switch, purely because the entry into the small intestine is not into the duodenum. It's usually into the jejunum, which is the second part of the small intestine. And similarly, it doesn't actually have a valve at the base of the stomach. So losing that valve at the base of the stomach, which is where the surgeon would have rerouted the intestines, means that there's nothing there stopping or holding the food in the stomach before it can get digested. So therefore, if you eat something like a Mars bar or a McDonald's thick shake or a boost juice that may have 70 grams of sugar, there's nothing really slowing down that sugar or fat depending on the food that you've eaten. And it's sort of going free passage right into the small bowel. Now, the body can't digest that much sugar or fat at one time. And I'm talking about early dumping syndrome here. And so essentially what it does is it dumps it into the large bowel, which then, because it's undigested, dumps into the bathroom or the toilet, however you want to eloquently put it. But basically you have diarrhea and other accompanying really uncomfortable symptoms because of it. Symptoms of early and late dumping syndrome are very different. Symptoms also vary from person to person. So if you have experienced early dumping syndrome, those symptoms could include nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain or cramping, diarrhea, feeling really uncomfortably full or bloated after a meal, sweating, weakness, dizziness, flushing or a blushing of the face and the skin, or a rapid irregular heartbeat, so tachycardia. They're really uncomfortable symptoms and there's not much you can do except ride it out because the body needs to get rid of that sugar or fat. On the other side, you've got late dumping syndrome. Now this results from the rapid movement of sugar into the intestine, which then raises the blood sugar levels too high. And then it causes the pancreas to release the hormone insulin to digest and absorb that sugar. However, the increased release of that insulin causes a rapid drop of the blood sugar levels, 
which was also known as hypoglycemia or low blood sugar. The easiest way I explain it to my patients is that the body has released too much insulin because of the response of sugar that was in the small bowel and it can't really auto-correct. So it can't take away the insulin from the blood once it's released it. So it's accidentally released too much. Too much of that sugar has actually now gone into the cells and has been absorbed to use for energy, but there's not enough left in the bloodstream for you to function as a human. So therefore, you get these really uncomfortable symptoms like low blood sugar level symptoms. So hypoglycemia is a main symptom, as is sweating, weakness, tachycardia again, so rapid or irregular heartbeat, flushing and dizziness. Late and early dumping syndromes do have similar symptoms, but about 75% of people with dumping syndrome report that they get that early dumping versus 25% have the late dumping and some people have both of them. It depends on the person and it's highly individual. You can't pick who's going to get dumping syndrome and who's not. What's really important to know is that you haven't done anything wrong usually if you get late dumping syndrome. It's very common the further you get on and on after your surgery and I typically see it three, four, five plus years post-op. It's very difficult to manage at times because it all relates to what you're eating, how many carbohydrates you're having, how much protein you're having, and where's any fat in your meals to slow down the digestion. So late dumping syndrome can be quite challenging to manage. Early dumping syndrome, on the other hand, is typically caused by food choices. I don't usually see people that have had early dumping syndrome without having eaten something that was abnormal or high in sugar or high in fat. So I wouldn't go to say that it's your fault that you get early dumping syndrome, but I would question your food choices as to if it is happening regularly. You'll need to have a look at your diet as to see if you're getting this constantly because it's not a nice feeling and it can take hours and hours to get over these feelings because the body's all out of sorts. To manage and treat early dumping syndrome, it would be looking at your food choices. So making sure that you're not eating high sugar foods that are excessively high in sugar. Now, sometimes it might also not be the sugar. It could also be the fat. I have seen people get dumping syndrome from eating too many almonds or too much avocado or having too high of a portion of salmon because these are fat which need to be digested with a sufficient amount of bile. Now, caveat here, some people who have had their gallbladder out already experience this dumping syndrome because their body can't digest a high amount of fat at one time. And that's because of the lack of bile in their body. So if you have had your gallbladder out and you're experiencing dumping syndrome, this is the reason why. However, for people who haven't had their gallbladder out and they are just eating higher sugar foods or higher fat foods and not really being conscious of what's in the meal, that's when I'd get you to look at your food diary and have a see, hmm, maybe there's some really refined carbohydrates here or really refined sugars. Maybe I need to change that. And often it's really high sugar foods like chocolates, lollies, biscuits, cakes, pavlova, anything that's really quickly digested, juice, soft drinks, it's all-encompassing. Anything high sugar typically can set it off, not all the time, but in the right circumstances and with different foods that are around the meal. So for example, if you don't have any protein or fat around the sugar, it's going to increase the likelihood of early dumping syndrome. Once you're experiencing early dumping syndrome, there's not really too much you can do to manage it, apart from laying down, let it ride out, drink plenty of water to help it flush through the stomach, as long as it's been half an hour after you've eaten. That's all you can really do for early dumping syndrome. On the other hand, late dumping syndrome would be better served by seeing a dietitian that's experienced in bariatric surgery. But on a whole, 
what you need to do with late dumping syndrome is to be really conscientious of your meals. Make sure that you're never eating carbohydrates by itself. You always want to eat a balanced meal, carbohydrates, protein, and fat at meals. And then for snacks, making sure that you're not eating carbs in isolation. They're two really good points that will make sure that you'll minimize the incidences of the hypoglycemic events. Secondly, would be seeing your doctor, making sure you don't have any underlying medical conditions such as diabetes or type 1 diabetes or something that could also be causing the low blood sugar levels. And thirdly, it would be to make sure you're being really strict on your fluid rule. Do not drink 30 minutes before your meal and don't drink 30 minutes after your meal because it'll prevent the food from being processed too quickly. There are other ways you can manage late dumping, such as picking different types of carbohydrates, ensuring you're getting a sufficient amount of protein throughout the day, and making sure you're being really conscious of your meal timings and having those five to six small meals over the day. As I mentioned, each person I've seen with late dumping syndrome is completely different. Some people can tolerate carbs. Some people can't have more than five grams of carbs per meal. It's so unique and it's varied. There are medications on the market that can help you. However, I'm obviously not qualified to discuss medications, so I won't go through those here, and that's better discussed with an endocrinologist or your GP. In summary, if you are experiencing dumping syndrome, you are not alone. There are many people that do suffer with dumping syndrome, and as I mentioned, early dumping syndrome can be largely prevented through food choices. However, late dumping syndrome would be best met with a dietetic team and surgical team and your GP and endocrinologist to really get to the base cause of what is causing the hypo events and how you can modify your diet accordingly to reduce the incidences in the future. That's it from me today. I really hope you learned something and I look forward to chatting with you next week. Thank you for joining me on Reverse the Post-Op Regain podcast. If you would like to learn more about what I do, head to at the Bariatric Collective on Instagram or Facebook or visit us online at www.thebariatriccollective.com.au and reach out if you need support reversing weight regain or anything related to bariatric surgery. I'd love to hear from you. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd love for you to take a moment to review the show if you found it helpful or share it with a few friends. I look forward to chatting with you next time.